0: Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. I'm here with Dr. Brian Goff. Hello, Brian. Hi, Sheila. I welcome you like the puppy that I am. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You're here, you're here. Uh I can't believe you're here. I can't believe it. (laughs) I just saw you, but here you are again, walking through the door.
1: (laughs) And hi, Jenna. Dr. Jenna Lejeune joins us as well. So nice to be here. We have,
0: there are many times when we have a recurring topic that comes up after the show or in between when we're getting drinks or socializing that um, I I end up thinking, we have to have a discussion on this. And I think probably the topic that has come up the most for me personally in my life, watching and trying to raise my daughter in this very complicated world, is triggering and safe spaces. And the reason that it's come up so often is because she just graduated from a university which is very politically correct, and this is in the air and in the environment all the time. And as a person who wants to hold space for all kinds of different points of view and all kinds of different conversations, she's even had a difficult time being accepted because she has been accused of not holding safe space or triggering other people. And I have myself and my sister, who is a Zen Buddhist, has. And so apparently this is... Happening a lot for people, so I would just like to to start, Jenna, by you, um, by you, giving us your perspective, um, and you can start with either safe space or triggering.
1: Yeah, I guess my problem with the concept of safe spaces is not that I want people to be safe. I am much more interested in people actually being safe than people feeling safe and I think one of the problems when we're having things like trigger warnings or no you can't say those words or you can't talk about that topic or you can't have that perspective because it makes me feel uncomfortable the problem with that is we're not actually doing anything to make you more safe yeah we're just doing things to tell you yes those feelings are very dangerous and you couldn't handle those feelings Right, And that, I think, is is the real problem with it. Well,
0: for some people, feelings can be dangerous if they result in a panic attack slash heart attack, right?
1: No, 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 no. Feelings can't be dangerous. Yeah. Um, so our responses to feelings can be dangerous. Panic attacks are—I have had a panic attack. I've had a few of them. And I can tell you from personal experience, they are terrible. They're terrible. And they're not dangerous. Um, so when what happens, though, is what is dangerous is when we kind of structure our lives or our society around trying to prevent having certain feelings or having certain thoughts. That's what becomes really problematic. Yeah. Brian, any different opinion there?
2: No, I, I mean, I, I will say I love feeling comfortable. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to being in being in situations <laughs> or being around people that make me feel comfortable. I tend to be able to focus a little bit better. I'm more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I'm not as self-conscious, so I think I I act more naturally. If you all were scowling at me while I'm talking, I would probably be like, hmm. I, I would have my mouth on like a five second delay, trying to be like, is that, is that okay to say? Is that okay to say? And you all smile to me, and you or you'll smile at me, and you like me. So I can tell as much as I can tell. <laughs> and and so I feel comfortable. I love that. But if I felt uncomfortable, that's not dangerous. Um, I think that people will sometimes have a history where certain kind of emotions in other people have often been linked with yes. actions that are damaging and harmful. So if you've been in a relationship where anger precipitates violence, then anger is in some sense a cue that violence may be coming. Mm. The problem is is that if you change your context and you're no longer around that person and now every time you experience someone getting angry or irritated or something you escape it, you run from it because you're like oh shit, violence is coming. And if you escape that or get away from that or say I don't feel safe and this completely needs to change. It maintains the link between Anger and violence. Yeah. And you don't learn that anger and violence are not the same thing. Yeah. It actually if, makes things worse. It, right. it yes. makes things worse yep. and it and it and it magnifies it, it maintains the link between those things and it magnifies the sensitivity to the cue because of course the lesson learned is good thing you got out of there and good thing that everything got comfortable or else probably you would have encountered violence, which isn't necessarily the case. If I walked into my office and somebody was throwing and smashing things and I said, what the hell is going on? And they said, I'm so angry. It's like, no, you're angry and you're throwing and smashing things. Those two things are different. So I want to ask, what would the
0: interim be, the place where we could be respectful of one another, that we could empathize with people's past history and the things that they've gone through while still having open and free conversation? I'm very curious because especially I'm thinking about it at a university setting, if you're looking at history and the realm of topics that people have to go through, there's going to be all kinds of triggering things. There's no way you can make a safe well, and, space, really. And,
2: and also, before you, before we hop into the answer, don't you also think that in those settings, it isn't only what I imagine might feel uncomfortable for me, but I'm imagining what might feel uncomfortable for everybody else in the room the big broad message is we all need to feel really comfortable or it's unsafe yeah yeah absolutely and it's impossible right i think i think it is and i think it makes things worse when we perpetuate that yeah the first study that just came out on this harvard
0: did a study of like 2600 kids to try to determine whether or not they were better Um, excluding themselves from group environments after they determined that what was going to be talked about wasn't safe. And they said, in the long run, those kids ended up feeling more isolated, more not a part of the thing. And so it wasn't actually good for their their overall well-being to avail themselves of safe spaces. Yeah, And, And I guess my whole thing is, Growing up in an area where I had all kinds of access to very, very wealthy people and very, very poor people and very, very sick people and very, very healthy people, I guess I I felt the benefit of all of those experiences. And that if I had excluded myself from any of those, that I would have missed out on some of the richness of my own vocabulary and my own knowledge about
1: how life really is. But I I think that's a really great point, Sheila, in that there was something of benefit that you would have missed out on. Yeah. And uh, like... uh, Brian, I was kind of laughing when you said that you're all about comfort because when I think about you, I'm like, God, you do a lot of like really hard things. I would <laughs> never do. <laughs> uh, interpersonal comfort. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I think of myself as like my, my my little nickname is the Hobbit. Like I am very much a little <laughs> Hobbit and wanting my little creature comforts. Yeah. Um, and I see no problem. I have lots of things that I don't expose myself to just because like, why would I don't go watch horror movies. I don't I actually don't watch the news. I listen to the news. Um, I, I, I avoid lots of things that you might say would be triggering. But those things aren't important to me. Like I'm not missing out by not going to see Saw. Yeah. I would be missing out potentially by not attending a lecture at a school to hear a different perspective than mine. Right. And I would be missing out if my whole life has to be around, no, you can't say that thing and you can't think that thing. And I can only be around the people who have exactly the same opinion and perspective of me. That would be a real loss for me. So I would just say to people, like, ask yourself, what are you missing out on? if you decide that you're not willing to have the feeling or the thought that you would have by staying in this space yeah mm-hmm. and then is it worth that bargain and you get to make that
2: choice well let th- me let me give a couple of brief examples one one of them is when we have these podcasts and Jenna you and I agree on a lot of things and we sort of see the world from a similar place but we occasionally disagree yeah and there is a comfort in a weird sort of way in disagreeing because i have a relationship with you Absolutely. not because we agree on everything and it's like oh my god will it be the next topic or the next answer where it all falls apart uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like no actually we can wind up in different places or see things slightly differently or maybe even radically differently and still be in relationship and there's a security in that and to your point about being uncomfortable for a good reason i often say you know when i go to the dentist It's generally, you know, the, the molds that they do where they put the goo in there and you have to press it in your mouth and hold it for three minutes. And like, you're like, I'm going to drool all over the place. And am I going to drown? And of course, I don't think anybody's ever died doing, (laughs) but it, so it's not dangerous, but it's very uncomfortable. Now I wouldn't do that just for kicks because I want to be stronger. I don't even know like why you would do that for fun. It's not fun, but it's worth it. If you want to take care of your mouth, you know, it's like there's a reason to do that, a reason to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. And in fact, funny enough, when I go to the dentist and I have to do that and a variety of other things that happen at the dentist, although I love my dentist, shout out to Kevin. I often repeat to myself, this is uncomfortable, but it's not dangerous. Oh, yeah. that's a great thing to say. That's yeah. actually a no, this really is great really reminder. uncomfortable, Yeah, but it's not dangerous. Yeah, it's a it's, wonderful thing to say. It's not dangerous, but it's uncomfortable.
0: I think that especially now going into a really vibrant election period where people are going to be talking more and some people are very, they use the word triggered around people's political point of view, I just want you to maybe give people some guidelines for listening actively, listening with an open mind, not trying to shut the other person off or or revert to a safe space to be able to maybe bridge this communication gap that we have between the two polarized sides.
1: Yeah, the first place that I would suggest people starting with, and I'm speaking as if I don't have this problem too. Like, of course, I have this problem. <laughs> but when I'm in my like my my best self, the thing that I'm doing is I start with seeing the other person as a human being, just like me. Mm. Yeah. So I have a little mantra that I say in my head that is similar to uh kind of some of the meditation that I do which is this person is loved just like me this person suffers just like me this person has hopes and dreams just like me. So as soon as I can see the other person as a human being, then I start softening a little bit. And then I start trying to be curious, not about what can I do to change their opinion, but is there anything of interest here? So there's this really famous uh, psychologist, Eric Erickson, mm-hmm. and he talks <laughs> about this idea of he used to work on an inpatient ward and he had this one patient that was very difficult and she didn't have any teeth in her mouth but she had one perfect tooth right in the center of her face and he said that what he would do when she was speaking is he would just focus on that one perfect tooth that kind of helped him connect with her as this human being and that that was really helpful. So sometimes when I'm hearing people who are talking about a political persuasion that is not kind of comfortable for me Mm -hmm. i literally will say in my head
2: okay where's the one perfect tooth there's a one perfect tooth here wow Uh, i love that yeah um i don't usually think um they are loved (laughs) and they're i usually think like what the hell no uh, i do that first actually the place that that's a little easier for me to to get to although i love what you're saying it, it um maybe I should start listening instead of watching the news (laughs) 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 Um, is uh, um, what are they afraid of? Yeah, that's a good Mm. one. That's Um, a great one. Because I don't, I don't always agree on the veracity of the data that they are referencing about like what's happening in the world or whether this or that isn't occurring or blah, blah, blah. And I don't often agree or I, I often disagree with the solution, even if we agree on the validity of the data. But I can get to like, OK, I'm going to ignore all of that. What's your concern? What are you afraid of uh-huh. here? And I usually end up having some space for a little bit of compassion around what somebody's afraid of. Yeah, that's a really nice one.
0: Do you, uh, I think there's a willingness, especially I, developmentally, I've heard this, that people who are more progressive, leaning, are actually way more interested in different points of view and understanding and attempting to try to figure out where the gray area might be that you might agree. Um, The people who are very conservative in their thinking are more fear-based kind of amygdala responders and that they actually might not need that information about you. So at a certain point, you're probably not going to change
2: someone's mind with your great. I don't, yeah, I don't think it at least for no, me it's not absolutely about, not. Yeah, it's right. not about absolutely. changing yeah. the mind. It's yeah. more about me feeling more comfortable with the fact that someone has a different position. Yeah. Right. I've seen that I've seen that data or, or data yeah. similar uh, suggesting that more conservative stances, the operating mode is threat yeah. and threat management. Yeah. And the more progressive approach is a little more hope or possibility uh-huh. based, like what might what good might come from this. Yeah. And generally speaking, fear, is sort of a narrow and demanding kind of emotion. Very restrictive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a move away instead of a move towards yeah. something and moves away, want it and want it now and want something very specific because threat should be avoided. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Can I bring in one other piece that I think we would be remiss if we didn't um, bring up as three white people from America that yeah. are talking about this? I do think that being in a position of privilege and power, like I am as a white woman in america straight white woman in america when i am seeking comfort the idea is that comfort is the status quo like that humans like the status quo. Like that's how we are comfortable, right? Mm. And the status quo for me means somebody else is being oppressed in some way because I'm in this position of privilege and power. And so, especially if you are a person that has more privilege or has more power, it's really, I think, important for me to be able to say, oh, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely willing to feel uncomfortable um, in order to have more voices be able to participate mm. in the conversation. Great point. Yeah. yeah. Such a great yeah. point well put. and a wonderful place to end.
0: If you like conversations like this one, you can always click on our link and support the Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care. And we'll see you next week.